This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 426. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman. And I'm joined today by a special guest, actually kind of a bit of a surprise show, because it wasn't until, what, like two nights ago at about midnight that I had the the epiphany, oh, shoot, I got to reach back out to, to our guest <laughs> and see if he's got time to get on the show. And um, amazingly, you responded. So I, I welcome to the show BJ Norris. Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate you uh, having me on. And uh, I'm sorry, I just can't get over how when you sw- when you uh, when you went three, two, one, go, you switched your podcast voice. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I guess the podcast voice has uh, been developed over 426 episodes now. <laughs> You know, it's actually kind of scary to think. I, I should go back one of these days and listen to one of the first episodes. I'll probably be just embarrassed to listen to myself again. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, so BJ is our guest today. Uh, BJ, if you don't know, well, you're going to get to know him here in a moment. But first, let's uh, recognize today's episode sponsor. This is one everyone's familiar with uh, here at ConcealedCarry.com. Our our special membership program is called Guardian Nation. GuardianNation.com is where you can learn more. Uh, but uh, you know, our what we're passionate about at Guardian Nation is about making everybody as good as they can be. Today's topic of the podcast is performance at the highest level. I am sincerely passionate about helping other shooters perform at their highest level, the, the best that they can possibly be. And that's what Guardian Nation is all about. If you'd like to take advantage of a, four, of a free 14-day trial, go to concealedcarry.com forward slash 14-day. Concealedcarry.com forward slash 14-D-A-Y. And that, that'll get you launched into a free 14-day trial. You can, you, can, you can watch all the videos, all the video content, all the special uh, Guardian Nation live videos that we've produced with a bunch of guests, including really mean guests like Mike Seeklander. And maybe one of these days we'll get BJ yeah, Norris on as one, of, as one of those. What's that? I said, yeah, Mike Seeklander, I'm very serious. Shooting is not fun. It is very serious business. <laughs> That's right. So uh, maybe we'll. Uh, BJ has got to go through some special training uh, here in the next few weeks or months, but uh, maybe at some point we'll get you back on and have you as a special GN Live broadcast guest. You can be added to the library of mean guys like Mike Seeklander. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I hope Mike's listening to this. Probably not, but. Uh, Anywho, let's get into no, today's... He's got, he's got very serious business to attend to. That's right. That's right. So let's get into it, though. Guys, uh, this, again, is BJ Norris, world champion shooter, I might add, in case you don't know. But BJ, for those that don't know who you are, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Uh, again, thanks for having me on. And, and if you guys haven't picked up on it yet, I, I know Mike really well. Uh <laughs> I've been friends with him for like 16 years, which is more than half of the time I've been alive. So I guess that's something. Uh, but yeah, I've been shooting competitively for, uh, well, this would be 20 years. I started in late 2000 is when I went to my first uh, USPSA style match. 
and uh, it's just kind of history from there. I spent uh, I said the last twenty years predominantly shooting a competitive pistol, um, Steel Challenge, USPSA, three gun, um, IDPA. So it's the uh, one two, or I, I guess technically it's uh, one IDPA national championship, one world championship. Um, I've been Steel Challenge uh, overall world champion three times now, and uh, the division titles, everything added up, um, about 40 or 50 national world titles combined um, over the course of, of my career. I've been really, really fortunate to work with a lot of the best shooters and people in the industry uh, throughout my life. I grew up in the industry. Guys like Jerry Mitchellick, Phil Schrader, I mean, Mike, uh, Robbie, I've been really, really uh, fortunate to, to learn from some of the best. And, you know, one of the things that, that is important to me is to help pay it forward and pass pass some of that knowledge on. So that's kind of, you know, what I hope to really hope to do today as well is, is talk about uh, the stuff that I do to, you know, not only physically shoot the gun well, but when the time is the time is upon you, whether that be in a defensive situation or whether it be in, in a match, you know, what, what are you doing to always be performing at that high level? Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff, man. And so folks, uh, as you just heard, I mean, BJ has been shooting at a very high level for a good role. The majority of your adult life. I mean, you got, when you say you got started in 2000 or whatever, as a shooter, uh, competitive shooter, you you were just a kid then, right? I was eleven, <laughs> eleven years old, right? So that's crazy. Uh, I wish I honestly could have had a start, you know, at that kind of age, at least to get into that style of shooting. Um, I was still plinking away with my twenty two at pop cans, you know, when I was eleven years old or whatever. Uh, but uh, uh, you know, so being but, but you've kind of seen it all. You, 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 everyone has a starting place. You started out at a young age at a relatively low skill level. Uh, and then you've very quickly, I mean, by so what, 10, 11 years later, you're still world, still challenge world champion. Like that's, that's phenomenal. That's huge. Like competing against the best of the best, uh, all the big names, everyone, you know, people that everyone would, would know, right? Max Michelle, I mean, Shane Coley, he's been on the podcast. Uh, uh, any of these guys, right? Um, the, the usual crew. Yeah. So, you know, you, you've, you've been there, you've done that. But here's the thing. Uh, you guys, um, or, or you, I mean, I say you guys, but 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 by that, I'm, I was, I was kind of putting you in the same boat as, say, like, like Mike Seeklander. I mean, Mike Seeklander is unique in that you know him. He's a competitive shooter. But really, first, he was more of a defensive guy. You were more of a competitive shooter, but in recent, you know, I don't know how long it's been that you really started getting into the competitive, or excuse me, the defensive side of things, but you're actually going through a law enforcement training academy right now. So you get That's, kind of both sides as well, too. Absolutely. You know, I taught, um, I started teaching Texas concealed carry classes, Oh gosh, when was it? Probably 2011, 2012, something like that is when I when I became an instructor for Texas CHL. Um, and I taught that all the way up until that I, I moved to Idaho in 2015. So roughly three, four years. And then before that, I was working in an indoor range, you know, just 
being around uh, the CHL classes, obviously. And, you know, and then in the past, I guess, really about a year or so, you know, I started taking defensive shooting, I guess, maybe a little more seriously, I would, I would say, um, you know, for, for a guy and, and I'll, I'll admit, you know, for, for a guy that is world champion with a pistol, I never carried again, you know, up until I said, uh, you know, fairly recently, it just wasn't, yeah, I did when I worked at a gun store, but when I was, you know, I was fortunate in that in Lewis and Idaho, there's nothing going on. <laughs> like I, I literally, I knew people that would park their car at the airport, which was, didn't have the gates or wasn't secured in any way. Uh, they'd park their car at the airport, leave their keys in the floorboard and leave the country for three weeks. Yep. With a car, unlo- with a car unlocked. <laughs> yep. And it would still be there. I mean, so, so it just like, you know, and, and I can get into it deeper uh, if we have time, part of, part of what spurred that. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I really started taking, I said the, the more defensive aspect serious of it about a year, year and a half ago um, and started training my carry guns quite a bit more. Um, you know, and then as you mentioned right now, I'm in a, you know, I'm in a federal law enforcement Academy. So there's a lot of, you know, reality and, and use of force based training going on right now. And, uh, which is obviously a big topic, uh, that I don't want to necessarily get terribly into at the moment, yep. but, uh, yeah, you know, I've, I've, I've tried to, one of the things I've done in my career is, is try and differentiate context. You know, there's, there's, there's a lot of context based techniques, um, and some of them are not necessarily well, uh, communicated within a 15 second Instagram video or a picture or things like that. But within that context, one of my pillars of, of my beliefs is that when we tackle a shooting problem and, and what I mean by shooting problem is we have a target, we must now put shots at, you know, accurately on that target. There is almost zero difference between competitive shooting, defensive shooting, tactical shooting, offensive shooting, whatever term buzzword you want to use. When, when we get down to the brass tacks of putting rounds on target, there's no difference. Yep. Yeah. It, it's a, you're at the end of the day, you're shooting a gun, a mechanical device that needs to be oriented towards the target and fired in such a way that it doesn't leave that target to hit that target. Right. Right. Every, all the, all the contextual differences happen, uh, before and after the shot process, which, right. uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you've listened to the marathon primary and secondary three hour shot process podcast we do with <laughs> me and Tim and Chuck and those guys. Right. You know, so like that space, that span of time is the same, no matter what. It's it's what's before and what's after that's different. Yep, right. Context is so key, you know. As you talked about, uh, context is big in my world, man. You know that 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 that's what determines everything that might go into a shot, as far as leading up to that shot. That might determine how we got to that point in the first place. Uh, it may determine, you know, what what word. Uh, 
it may determine the environment that we're in, right? As far as how we're using that environment. Uh, but uh, as far as actually firing the shot, like you said, I mean, it, it, we're firing a bullet. However we do it, uh, it's all about putting that bullet on target in that moment. So, um, you know, and this is great. And I appreciate you talking a little bit about, you know, kind of some of your background and, and now you're getting more of that defensive oriented training side of things. And in fact, I wanted to add, just ask you real quick. Uh, I'm at, I imagine with, as long as you've been in, in this industry, so to speak, that you've had opportunities to do some force on force training. Uh, very little, I, I would say live force on force, um, lots, lots of video simulation stuff. I was, mm-hmm. uh, fortunate enough to work with laser shot on some of their competitive software. Um, so I, I, I have a, I have one of their simulator systems and, and all of the defensive or tactical scenarios, uh, that they had at the time. Mm. Uh, yeah, I've done, I've done a lot of the simulated stuff. Very little, that's an actual force on force, but that's kind of changing. Yeah. I was going to say that's probably coming here <laughs> shortly though. Um, but you know, th- this is a con concept that's thrown out. Uh, in numerous places, and the idea is that stress is stress, right? Um, that the body doesn't necessarily distinguish between this stress versus that stress. Like stress is stress. Stress, you know, our heart rate gets going, uh, blood pressure is increased, uh, all that kind of stuff. Well, you've, you've been in a variety of stressful situations in your life, particularly competing, I imagine. Absolutely. A variety of you know, different things and, and, and stress response. I said, I've, like you mentioned, I've, I've had it competitively. I've had it in, you know, some, some kind of somewhat spooky situations. And then I've had it in the corporate world. You know, I was working in a very high stress environment. Um, you know, prior to this from 2015 to 2018, I guess it was. And, uh, you know those same those same responses and same mental processes that you you, know, you try and use to alleviate stress are they're the same. The, the the body doesn't when the when you dump hormones into your system, it doesn't matter what caused those hormones to dump into your bloodstream. The response is the same. The physiological response is the same. Right. Right. Have you ever? Um... Have you ever been in a say a, a a match of any kind, maybe even a a championship, where you feel like that stress got to you? That pressure? absolutely, absolutely, it still it still does. Yeah, you know, I mean, even after twenty years of doing it, it still it still does. And and here's and here's the other, I guess, life hack uh, to my some of my performance i will never perform at my highest unless i'm a little bit stressed out mm. if i if i am not getting that that stress response that that adrenaline that cortisol all of those things if i'm not getting that response you are not performing at your highest level i, <laughs> I promise you no yeah. matter who you are if, if if you're not if you don't if you don't feel that that little knot that that fire in your stomach you don't, you don't have it that day. Yeah. Well, that's probably at some level part of the reason why 
most of us choose to do things like competition is, uh, you know, because it's fun and it's fun because it's exciting and, and engaging and, and gets, gets the body and the brain going. We're, we're built to move. Yeah. I, I firmly believe we're built to move. We're built to endure stress. We're built to have these responses pushed through us. And when you don't, when you don't do anything that induces that type of physiological response, you're not happy. Your, your body is not functioning correctly. Yeah. Yep. One thing that I'd like, I need to do some more digging into myself uh, personally. Uh, I've, I've thought this through a bit, but haven't yet come across any specific like scientific studies or, you know, that sort of thing that would kind of give me a little more insight into this, but I'm just going to throw this your way. Um, that, a match, you know, a lot of times, like you, you kind of know when that moment's coming, right? To where you know, okay, you know, I'm the next shooter up, I'm on deck, right? So that moment's coming, you know, I'm doing my final visualizations, whatever it is, get myself mentally in the right place to to shoot that stage, uh, and then it's my t- my time, it's my turn, and even then, you still got, you know, the RO telling you, okay, shooter, make ready. Um, you're, you're going through, through that whole process, whatever process it is you follow as part of your get ready, uh, routine. But, uh, uh, you know, and then that moment comes and you get the beep and away you go and you're off to the races. But where there's a bit, bit of a difference, say between that kind of scenario and like, say, a defensive shooting, you don't always necessarily get, you don't know when that moment's coming. And I've sometimes right. wondered if, cause to me, just my impression is that uh, when something happens immediately and you just have to react, you don't really get that full effect of, say, adrenaline because it's going to take a few seconds for things to really kick into high, you know, to really get in oh, the bloodstream. It, it, ta- it, takes, it takes about five to eight seconds for you to experience a full response. Right. Right. So, I guess what I'm getting at is uh, th- there is a, you know, people start talking about, well, when you're amped up under that, all that adrenaline and you're in this defensive shooting, I'm sometimes thinking, I'm like, I don't know that it's always exactly the way we, we think it's going to be that we're, you know, starting to get shaky or, you know, anything like that. It's like, no, that's going to really probably, you know, the shooting's going to only last a couple of seconds and then it's done. And then right. you're probably going to get that full adrenaline dump you know, in the aftermath, really. What do you think to that? Uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, I think you made a, you know, a really good point on, you know, you're in a, in a competitive situation. You've got that time where you're leading up to it. You're leading up to it. You're getting, you know, you're getting yourself pre, I, I always try and get myself like basically pre psyched up. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get that, that feeling and, and even, to a large degree, artificially induce the response in myself. Uh, so it doesn't happen when I'm on the stage, mm. you know, cause if you have a stage that lasts say 20 seconds, well, you don't want to have, you know, a spike or anything in the middle. Mm. Uh, so you don't want to, you know, you don't want that zero to nothing uh, response. Right. And I think how you kind of, how I, how I relate that back to a defensive context is that it, it comes down to situational awareness mm. and 
you know, if, if you are truly taken off guard, then you're absolutely going to default to the training. And, and, and a great example is a car wreck. I mean, how many times, you know, are you driving along and you don't see anything and you just instantly have to hit the brakes or accelerate or steer or whatever, uh, you know, and, and then you don't get, like you say, you don't get that response until after. If yeah. you're, you know, if, if you're getting those feelings of, of you're hyped up, you, you know, the hair on the back of your neck is standing up, you, you know, something's wrong, but you can't pinpoint it. Then that, that physiological response starts to begin. And that's where I think your degradation of skill starts to really kick in. Mm-hmm. is is when you go from like it's not so much going from zero to a hundred it's going from like 40 to 50 to 110 yeah you know i i think that's where that's where that degradation of skill happens so if i said if you if you can i said if you're truly taken off guard you're probably not going to experience a lot of degradation over what you would just show up to the range and shoot a cold drill it's probably going to be pretty close to the same, mm. you know. If 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 you're already a little amped up, and you're somewhere in the middle of that physiological response, I think that's where you see your skills tank. Yeah. And, yeah. and then once you're once you're like fully fully up and fully going, you're, you know, people talk about rising to the occasion. I I believe that is a real thing. People people can poo poo you all you want. But if people didn't rise the occasion, then you wouldn't see power lifters PR in competition. Mm. You know, I mean, look at, look at, and, and, you know, I, I start to, as some of, some of my research and, and learning on this is, is very recent as well, because, you know, in October of 18, I think it was, is, is when I started taking fitness seriously. Uh, cause I was way overweight cause I was working in a high stress job and I just, you know, let myself go. So, you know, I've spent the past almost two years now actually being pretty heavy and in, in trying to learn fitness and physiological responses even more so than I had before. You know, you wouldn't, if people didn't rise the occasion based upon the physiological response of stress and excitement then you wouldn't see people PR in competition because they got the crowd going, they got this, they got you know, everything going on. You wouldn't see that. So I, I, I do believe that rising to the occasion is, is a real thing, but I think it, it doesn't happen until your body is fully engaged in that response. Your degradation of skill happens in that zero or right, maybe three second in, to like maybe 20, 30 seconds. And then after that, your, your body is adjusted. Everything is fully integrated into your bloodstream and you're, it's all on like Donkey Kong. Mm. You know, how right. can people lift cars off of people? I mean, th- those are well-documented incidents, you know, of, of people that, that don't have tons and tons of physical strength can, can pull off incredible things when, when needed. I says I, I I don't agree with the you'll never rise the occasion mindset because it it's it's documented that it does that you mm-hmm. that you can as long as you have trained and, and as long as you're prepared you know 
to do so. And yeah. it's mental. It's, it's, it's you know, it's, right. it's totally mental. Too. Well, I mean, talking about today's overall topic, uh, performance at the highest level. I mean, this is really what separates the men from the boys, so to speak, or the women from the girls, you know, that, that, uh, it's the mental game, right? Because you can have somebody that's relatively, you know, well, you can have somebody that's extremely skilled with their hands, with the gun in their hands, shoot very well, uh, but then put them under pressure, particularly, maybe they even do well in certain kinds of situations, but when, what, what separates the really top guys, you know, like uh, talking with Max Michelle, for instance, I had him on the podcast uh, back in, well, we, we interviewed him at SHOT Show. And listening to kind of like some of the stuff that he, like where his mind is at training wise, um, obviously there's the physical component too, but like what he's doing to help better prepare himself for, you know, visually and mentally, kind of fascinating stuff, really. And no, and, 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 and I'm not doing that kind of stuff. Well, I'm starting to do more of that now, but, but you know what I mean? Like for a long time, that wasn't even on my radar. Right. Well, and, 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 and Riley, I think it, it boils down to in, in my experience as an instructor, as a shooter, as an instructor, I've been teaching for, you know, I, for a while. Um, it, it boils down to a simple switch in somebody's mind of I can, or I can't. What is, what's your default? What's your default setting? Is your default setting I can, or yeah. is your default setting I can't? It better be I can. It and is it, for and me. If, somebody, <laughs> if, if somebody's default setting is I can, then then they're easy to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and yeah. and that's not to say that you can't you can't switch your default setting. You, you absolutely can switch your default setting. You know, it's but it's a, but it's a lot of work. You know, it's 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 a lot of work to have that that mental fight. You know where where you're gonna grind it out. Um, you know, or you're going to have the self discipline to mentally prepare yourself to perform as well as physically. I mean, I, I think uh, you know I'm a crossfitter. I'll throw that out there. You can make fun of me if you want. Um, yeah, I, I think that's one of one of the ingredients that of success that CrossFit had has whatever you want to call it that that style of training is that it it breeds the in a good in a good gym culture and I was very fortunate I had a really really good gym culture mm-hmm. um is that it it breeds the i the default of i can right you know or or maybe i can't but screw it man i'm going to give it a shot you know pick right. up pick up the heavy barbell can you i don't know but i'm going to give it everything i got you know yeah. obviously once you get, obviously once you get past the form and safety and knowing how to lift and not you know blowing your back out because you're trying to deadlift 500 pounds after you just got off the couch for you know 18 years of your life obviously should go without saying but somebody you know somebody will jump in there and say cross it'll get you hurt uh a crappy coach will get you hurt no matter what you're doing no matter what you're doing 
if you have a poor coach, you're going to get hurt or your, ch- or your chances of the injury are significantly increased shooting, driving, fitness, whatever. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and so, so when we look at that default, that default mental attitude of, of, I can, you know, how, how are you, to me, that's, that's that key component in rising to the occasion. Are, are you going to look at something and go, I can't do that? You know, because as soon as, as soon as you say that, that the fight leaves your body. I mean, is you, I mean, I've seen it so many times and experienced it so many times. I mean, I'm, I'm, dude, I'm not perfect. I mean, that's, uh, you know, uh, I've, I've had experiences in this academy where 20 years of learning how to mentally manage myself and, and, and win, right? I mean, because winning is a skill. Went out the window. Mm. And, and I, had to, I had to fight to get myself back. And it, it took the help of my wife basically saying, all right, you, you got to stop. <laughs> mm. You know, because because I'm I'm out of my comfort zone, right? You know, I'm way out of my comfort zone in, in some of this stuff. You know, some some of it, eh, no big deal. Obviously, the you know the shooting portion, not that big a deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's other parts of it that are extremely challenging for me. And you know, I said I it I was a mental basket case for like two weeks. Because because I was not handling the stress correctly, and my default setting went to I can't, mm. and it was it was a it was a rough two weeks, mm. and then and then I had and, and but see here's the thing, and this comes back to mental management, and if you haven't read with Winning in Mind by Lanny Bassam and the I guess companion book you might call it uh, Freedom Flight. Mm. You absolutely have to read those two books. And I go for everybody listening out there. I mean, I think both of them, I think you can buy both of them on Amazon on your Kindle for like $15 or you can get the paperbacks for less than 30 bucks combined, yeah. uh, you know, or, or, or you can buy it directly from Lanny, which he gets, he's going to get more money for that. So that's better. Um, and he's a, and he's a really good guy. I, I actually was lucky enough to take a class from him um about oh gosh it's been a while it's been nine years um and uh get those two books and read and 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 just as soon as as soon as you have a little bit of success you've got to capitalize on that success and that is the only thing i mean basically the the way i i got that default switch switched back to i can is the only thing you think about is that one tiny little piece of success that you had. It doesn't matter that you failed 10 times. It only, it matters that you succeeded once. And if you succeeded once, you can do it again. Yeah. That's, that's powerful stuff. And and, uh, I'm familiar with Lanny Basham's uh, works. I I have not gone all the way through winning in mind yet. It is my next book. Um, I'm reading, uh, now, I'm actually kind of taking my time a little bit. I keep going back and rereading certain sections as occasionally. Uh, I, I'm almost embarrassed to admit this, but uh, you know, for years I had on my reading list uh, Brian Enos's book, 
practical shooting. Yep. And uh, I just finally started tackling it about a month ago. And I, I'm still working on it a month later because it's just... <laughs> I, I believe it. <laughs> it. It's so like... There, there's just... There's, there's a lot of abstract concepts in there. <laughs> there really is. And it's challenging my way of thinking about certain things. And, and that's exactly what I want from a book like that. Um, and, and, uh, it's, it's fantastic, but, uh, yeah, with winning in mind is that's, that's my next stop, uh, for sure. Um, and I've already recommended, like, I, I'm familiar with some of the concepts, uh, and it's, some of that stuff has helped me immensely just in the last year, uh, as a shooter. And it's stuff that I wish I had realized sooner on. Um, but, uh, so you, um, Oh, one thing, one thing I kind of wanted to touch on there was just recently, so I shot a match last uh, Friday, a, a sectional match, Wyoming, and it didn't go as well as Lucky I... Lucky you. Well, yeah, <laughs> it didn't go as well as I would have liked. Um, I think there were some, some va- factors for that. Uh, part of it was driving in like the night before at 1 a.m. and getting a terrible fitless sleep, you know, or, or restless sleep. I- that's that's generally not a recipe for success. <laughs> as, as somebody who has done that twice at national championships, it is generally not a recipe for success. <laughs> you know, um, but anyway, I I, I kind of posted a post match, you know, like summary, like kind of like this is this is what you know. I went and shot this match. This is what I learned from it. Here you go, people, and. Uh, um, someone's becoming a good friend of mine, Mark Sue up in uh, Oregon. He commented and he said, uh-huh. you know, what helps him is, if, and, and he kind of was talking about this very thing. He, it's kind of this can do attitude as opposed to can't or letting something get in your way. And he's like, if it's raining, if it's pouring, if it's snowing, if it's windy, like whatever it is, that's like bugging you. Like just say, I shoot my best when it's raining. I shoot my best when it's cold. Yeah. And I think that's kind of this along the same lines of, of kind of that I can like, and not only that, but I'm, I'm trying to convince myself. I am convincing myself. Oh, I don't care. It's, it's the crappiest weather we've seen in a long time here during this match, but I shoot my best when it's like this. (laughs) Yeah. I trust me. It's, you know, we're in New Mexico and it's June, July and August is going to be miserable outside but it's yeah. going to be the working environment I'm going to be in for probably the rest of my career. So might as well go ahead and get used to it. Um, you know, but, but going back, but going back to Lanny's work, um, there's, there's two things that really stick out um, about what you just said. And what Mark just said is, is your self image um, is a cumulative um, cumulative image, I guess, for lack of a better term, cumulative image of everything that you have ever thought about yourself, negative or positive. Okay, so there's number one. Number two, everything you think about is totally under your control. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, there, there's there's powerful stuff there. And, you know, obviously there's, that's that's an incredibly simplified way of looking at you know self image and 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 mental imaging and and all of those all those types of things, mm-hmm. but 
they they do hold true is that is that everything that you think about is is within your control you know and there and it comes back to that what's your what's your default setting and you know my biggest piece of advice for for anybody no matter what you're doing is find a way to get your default setting to i can and and it doesn't matter so so here's here's the other thing that that I hammer home on a lot of people that I coach is that the, your default setting is also contextually dependent. So you may have a default setting of I can on the range or behind the keyboard, whatever, but then you get into something that you're not good at. You don't know. And, and your, your default setting in that environment can easily become, I can't. And that's, and I say that because it's a personal struggle for me um, is I don't want to sound like I'm bragging for me in my life. Most things have come reasonably easy when it comes to shooting, pick it up reasonably easily when it comes to, to like, even when I started actually taking fitness seriously, like the Olympic lifts, the, the technique, the form, and it comes reasonably easy to me. I don't have to sit there and grind and grind and grind. Not to say that I haven't or that I don't know how. It's just that grinding becomes fun when you feel like you have a reasonable level of skill at something to begin with, right? Mm-hmm. Be- because you see that, that uh, you know, that grind really smooths out all the little things versus if, if you don't have, you know, uh, if you, if you struggle with something from the very beginning, it's very easy for that default setting to go to, I can't, I always Mm -hmm. try and fall back on finding something that you do. That is a default setting. And I can do that for a little bit, then come back to the thing that you struggle with. If you got to jump back and forth between those two things to make progress, to get your default switch from I can't to I can in that new area, then that's what you have to do. Because, because you have to carry that when, when you have an I can switch, when your switch is on I can, when you jump from that activity to something else, that switch is still in that position. Right. So if you have to jump back and forth between activities to make sure that switch stays in the I can position, that's that's a way that you can ensure that you're trying to perform at the highest level because your your training is so much more effective when your switch is. And I can I mean, you you can't I, I, I believe that it is extremely difficult to learn and make large steps in progress if your switch is and I can't. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's extremely difficult and, and much more time consuming and not a lot of fun. Yeah. So, so you got to find, I don't care what it is, find something where your switch is, I can, and then go from that to go to the thing that you, that you're trying to learn or that new thing that you're trying to tackle. And then back and forth, back and forth until all of a sudden you look up one day and you start on the thing that's, that w- that was I can't or is new, and you're like, oh man, that's I c- I can do this. So now all of a sudden you you've got a new default setting. 
Excellent advice right there. So actually talking about, you know, I mean, performing at your at your best. Uh, sometimes things are just going along, lickety-split, everything's great. And then something falls apart, whether it's a target presentation that is not, you know, it's it's different than what you expected or what you planned on, whether that's a reload that you miss, whether that's uh, getting hung up in your holster on your draw. <laughs> like, oh, God. You know, how Don't do you get me started on that? <laughs> so you know, th- th- give us some tips and some, some ideas about like, how do we manage situations when the wheels seem like they're falling apart or falling off? How do we get things back together again? Well, I, I think that's, I guess that would be really two different topics, right? Cause, cause you got to deal with, you have to deal with the, the train derailment in the immediate, like in the middle of the stage. And then you have to deal with the, the aftermath of that derailment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you after you, after you hit approve on your on your practice score tablet, even though you really don't approve of the score, um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I keep giving Ken Nelson a hard time that it needs to say accept. Right. <laughs> I accept it. I accept the feet. <laughs> I, I, that's that's a that's a totally different meaning in that word. <laughs> <laughs> uh but but you know so so you have to deal with the the immediate problem of uh hey you missed a load i you know hey i dropped a magazine now what do i do um you know and, and that comes down into contingency planning um which by the way is not the same as planning to fail um mm-hmm. you know people people can get that mixed up where you know having a backup plan is well you're you know you're just planning to for plan A to, to fail. It's like, well, muscle man. Um, but you gotta you gotta understand that that stuff does happen and you just you gotta take the steps to lead. In the case of, you know, what happens if you drop a magazine on a load? Well for me, I have a rule that I always carry at least one more magazine that I think I'm going to need on the stage. Mm. Right? So this is this is more uh, more the topic for say three gun when you're constantly switching gear around, right? You, you got a limited amount of space on your belt, and you're switching different guns, different requirements between the stages. Yeah. So if I'm pointing on a on a that you know there's thirty thirty rounds of pistol on a stage, <clears throat> you know that means I'm going to have to load. How many magazines am I going to have on my belt? I'm going to have two. You know, I got 10 rounds of rifle over here that I'm just going to, you know, hose five or six paper targets really quick, and then I'm going to put it down. Okay, well, how many, you know, what do I realistically need for a rifle? I'm still going to have a freaking magazine on my belt because what if that magazine goes south on me, you know, and, and I'm not. I'm not allowed to shoot those targets with my pistol or there's some, you know, there's some weird, maybe I've already ditched it. You know, I've ditched the pistol farther back on the stage and now I had to shoot the rifle after a, you know, long range or whatever. And now all of a sudden the magazine just totally, you know, goes south on me. Well, I got to have a backup plan. Backup plan is, you know, ditch that magazine, get another one. I drop the mag on the load. Doesn't matter. I'm guy got another one here. I'm just going to go do another reload. Yep. You know, so you, so you, it's, you just have those things like in your, in your back pocket is, you know, Hey, if this happens, 
then then this switch automatically gets flipped. No, you know, it's it's no big deal. Um, you know, when when you have a target presentation that doesn't maybe a swinger doesn't come out the way you want. A lot of times, like in that moment, if it's if it's something that I can't control, like reloads, movement, those are things that are that are one hundred percent within my control, right? How a target activates is not a hundred percent within my control. Um, you know, because you maybe you hit a popper low, maybe you hit it high, maybe the maybe the wind held held the the drop turner, you know, for a split second more. Those types of things I deal with usually by just waiting. Mm-hmm. Like if you just wait on it, I'm just gonna I'm gonna wait, and you almost have to go into a reactionary mode. I'm gonna wait for something to happen so that I can orient myself to what needs to happen from here. Mm-hmm. Because if you start jumping around, then you're then you're always behind the curve. If, if you sit there. Like, I know something's supposed to happen in this general area. I'm going to sit here until something happens and then address it. Yeah. You know, and, and, I, and I think you can, I think you can relate that back to defensive shooting in some ways of, you Absolutely. know, don't put your gun away, you know, don't put your gun away until the fight's over. You, you know, you know, maybe, you know, something, uh, you know, so, something might happen. Something is going to happen. You, you know, keep yourself, keep yourself ready until you have something to react to. No. You know, because because in a defensive context, you're always reactionary. You're always reactionary. Another yep. proactive. Far more variables in the defensive context that you don't control. Right. Yeah. Yep. So, good, good so you just you know you 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 have to train yourself to to be reactionary, and as soon as you know, as soon as something does happen, you're you're on top of it. Versus, you know, if if you are not prepared for contingencies or not haven't rehearsed what's going to, you know, how you're going to, to address unknowns, then that's when you get, get all screwed up. And that's when your performance degradation happens, you know, from a, how to deal with the, the aftermath. I mean, people, people deal with that stuff in, in different ways. I mean, I've seen, uh, you know, guys, they immediately just start loading their mags and laughing and joking and like it never happened. You know, I've, I've torn a few score sheets up in my day, <laughs> uh, you know, kind of put the score sheet down in the bag and just kind of just, ah! uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, people, people deal with that stress in a different way. And I think, uh, people talk about not to shoot angry or, you know, you get too aggressive when you shoot angry, you know, like if you're, if you're carrying that bad performance with you to the next stage, it's only going to hurt the next stage. I don't yeah. I don't go quite that far. Mm. Um, I, I think it really comes more back to where's that switch located now? Is it is it is it in I can or I can't? If you're shooting super aggressively in that I can mode, man, I've yeah, I have seen and made some amazing performances when I was hyper aggressive because I was upset. <laughs> And and the and the and the, the the best examples of that are, are the stages, you know, that you have to move hot between the stages and you just totally tank the first one. 
and you're, yeah. you know, it's, it's fresh. Yeah. <laughs> you you got to go shoot another speed shoot and that, you know, blown load and two, two no shoots is fresh. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and yeah. you walk over the next day, you're like, man, I'm going to kill it. And, and you do, <laughs> you know, I, th- I think everybody's had those moments and I said, and it, it, it kind of, I said to me, it speaks to where, where did that switch go? after mm. after the uh the mistake mm. i guess we're gonna have to retitle this episode to uh where is your i can switch <laughs> maybe so keeps coming back to that I, i'm gonna share something with you i i've only really i think i just recently mentioned to somebody but i've had this score sheet up on my wall here <laughs> above my desk for a while now for a couple of years when was this 2017, maybe even 2018. I don't remember exactly. It was a three gun match and I forgot to engage two targets and I was so, we've all done it. I was so angry about that because like I shot that stage just, I burned it down. You know, I got done. I'm like, that was awesome. (laughs) Well, you, you usually have a great time when you don't engage all the targets. Yeah. You know, and, and I remember the RO was like, if the shooter is ready <laughs> or yeah, finished, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. I'm like, what did I miss? Crap, you know? And by that point, and then I realized, I'm like, well, I got to run all the way over. It's not worth the points. Like, whatever, you know? But I stuck this thing up on my on my board here. My, I got a little whiteboard. as a Not to be a negative reinforcement, but it's motivated me because this was a factor that I could control. Absolutely. I didn't. I didn't mentally prepare properly or enough or visualize enough or whatever it was to where I set myself up to forget about those targets in that moment. And, uh, I have not failed crap, knock on wood, but I haven't forgotten to engage a target since then. Um, and because this, this right here has changed the way I, I prepare for my stages. Um, so I don't ever let that happen again. Now I'm realistic to understand that crap happens and there there's it's entirely possible at some point that I have another failure to engage or whatever, but um, that's just a just a little kind of inside story, and, and and it's been a good motivating factor for me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pain pain's a great motivator. Yeah, let's shift gears uh, again a little bit. I mean, last year, BJ, you were crowned the world champion overall, even of uh, IDPA World Championships. Uh, you're shooting carry optics. Yep. Uh, uh, and you did you did a phenomenal job with uh, good old mean Mike Seeklander nipping at your heels. And uh, uh, I, I just wanted to kind of pick your brain about something very recent and, and something that you had to perform at a very high level at uh, against, you know, a stiff field of competition. What did you do? Could you walk us through, like... On on more of the performance side, less of the mental side. Mental, I mean, you can bring that back up again as well. But uh, just like from like a pure practice uh, shooting, um, what were you doing in the weeks or months leading up to that to to be able to perform at your best? Yeah, well, IDPA, um, especially after they after the scoring system switch. Uh, for mm-hmm. those that that may not be familiar with IDPA. Uh, from the inception, a, a point down on target was was worth half a second added to your time. A few years ago, they actually doubled that. So every point down on the target, and and the down zero is what a, a ten inch circle, something eight like inch. that. Eight inch, eight yeah. inch, ten inch. It's 
not small, but it's not very big either. Yep. Um, they every shot outside of that um, adds one second, you know, or if you're way on the edge of the target, it's three seconds, which is basically a miss. Um, but so so they doubled the the value of the points down. So it it really kind of changed like how you how you approach it and. Mm-hmm. You know, IDPA, I think, is has always had a reputation for being more of an accuracy-based game than USPSA. Um, despite despite what some people may bemoan, you can miss fast enough to win in USPSA. I have seen it done. <laughs> um, you know, IDPA, not not as much, especially now with the with the points value. And so when I when I start training for IDPA, my main focus is I do not accept any points down in practice. Like I did just, I, I, I do, I, I go in that mode of I'm going to sit here on the dot. I'm going to sit here on the trigger, more the trigger than the dot um, until I can make sure that I can fire the shot without disturbing the gun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause it's, cause at the distances IDPA is generally shot. It's not a difficult shot. You're the one who screws it up. It's not, you know, it's usually not, it's not a side alignment issue because, you know, if you've done a sight deviation drill, like you could have the sides way off of the center of the, of the down zero and still be in the down zero at seven yards. So it's, it's usually you that is, is the culprit there. Um, look at the guy in the mirror, but, uh, you know, you, you get down to it and, you know, my training program, I, I, I don't accept any points out and, and, you know, I'll, I'll still push up the speed. And, and for me, that means really working on calling the shot. Um, you know, I put a big emphasis in IDPA in particular, on being able to call shots because do you know how many makeup shots I can fire in the space of one second? Right. A lot. You know, I can I can fire three extra shots at a target at seven yards, and still be ahead of dropping a point. So, you know, the the emphasis for me in IDPA training is is really is really being able to call shots with a high degree of precision and at a at at a you know reasonable speed. No, I'm not shooting anywhere near as fast as I shoot in in USPSA or Steel Challenge. and you don't need to really, because if you drop a point, almost all of the splits that you gained in the entire stage, because stages aren't very big, you know, by the, by the rules, or you're not blasting away, you know, 32 rounds, it's 18 rounds. So you're, you know, if you're 500, six, 700 faster on every split, you've still only gained maybe a second on that stage right. with your splits. So if you drop a point, it's off the board. It's gone, you know, and, and you're never going to get it back. And so that's, that's my emphasis for IDPA is, is going there. I'm shooting tight targets. I'm shooting them close. Um, you know, so because, uh, you know, just even with carry optics, you know, you're, you're fighting a little bit of uh, side over board. Uh, a little bit of bore axis issue with uh, the sight height, you know, at close range. If you've got a non-thread or something, you know, it's, it's, 
and an inch difference is a real thing. Um, you know, and how do you, how do you aim? How do you present to the target, you know, while keeping a, a good pace at that? Shooting a distance is easy. I mean, for it, and I say that in, in my personal context. To me, shooting it, you know, if I got to take a fifteen-yard shot, eh, no big deal because because it that starts to get in that zone where everybody is having to sit on the sights. Mm. And if you don't, then you drop a point. Right. You know, so so once you get to like 12, 15 yards and out, to me, it's it's actually in the context of IDPA, it's an easier shooting challenge versus if you're shooting at seven yards on a partial target, you got to be rock solid on calling that shot because you're doing it. You got to be pushing it. You got to be doing it at a high rate of speed, mm-hmm. you know, but, but you can't, you can't afford something that's, you know, an inch out. You got, you got to be able to call that shot to basically within a bullet diameter. Yep. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And it clearly worked for you last year. So, uh, you know, congratulations to you. you. And, uh, of course, the whole Wilson Combat team that also had a, you know, phenomenal showing. Um, wanted to ask you about, and we're kind of, you know, running down here uh, towards the end here. Got a couple minutes. Uh, there's a particular drill that's become a one of my favorites. And if I could ever be even remotely close to as awesome as you are at shooting that drill, like I will, I, I will have made it in life. And that is the five by five skills test. Yep. <laughs> and there's a video of yours where you shoot that thing total time in like 11 seconds or something ridiculous. I was wondering if you could share with us a, a bit about that, the drill, and also maybe uh, some of the, the background story behind that, that video where you, man, you just lay down that monster of a run. Yeah, that was, uh, if I remember right, the video you're probably talking about is at Bill's Ranch. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, I think that was even before I was like officially part of the team, or maybe it was like the first time, because Bill doesn't live in Arkansas, he lives in Northeast Texas, um, and when I was living in Texas, he was only about two hours away. Mm. Um, and so that was that was either the time that I was like, had just joined the team or, or maybe I was, I was just there hanging the, the first time I went there, he invited me just to come hang out and basically give me a tryout. Um, but yeah, that was with a Beretta. Um, the drill, for those that don't know, if you don't know where to find it, is you, you just go to IDPA, IDPA's website, IDPA.com. And, uh, it's the short classifier course. Um, instead of the full 72 or 93 or 96 round, whatever, the bit, the old classifier, um, which by the way is an excellent, well-rounded drill in and of itself. If you have two boxes of ammo to go to the range with, um, it's actually one of my favorites. Like if I'm going to say, Hey, go to the, I need a general skills assessment. I got two boxes of ammo, go to the range and shoot us. Um, but you know, the five by five was made so you could classify people in a hurry. Um, you know, or or if you had a limited distance, things like that. And it, and it assesses, you know, draws, strong hand, speed transitions, loads, you know, it's, it's a very well-rounded, uh, four string drill. And, uh, yeah. So the story behind that, I mean, let me look it up, but yeah, we're just, uh, hanging out at Bill's 
Bill's Ranch and, and shooting stuff. I can tell you whether it was uh, that first visit based on the gear. Mm. If, it, if, I, if I don't have like actual Beretta gear, then it would be that first first time. I I've probably like the within fifty rounds of me pulling that gun out, um, or or a Bill handing me that gun. Mm. Uh, I'll tell you. I mean, that was. That was that was one of the things that, like when I when I first went up there to hang out, he was like, "Hey, here, shoot this," and uh, <clears throat> yeah, I had to. Uh, I was I was impressed enough with the gun that I was able to i I could shoot that gun within about ninety percent of what I was shooting my STI at the time. Uh, I just put a link in the. Uh, comments uh for the folks watching. yeah that would that that would be probably the first time i was there because i'm that's a that's one of bill's mag pouches that i'm using <laughs> uh so, in fact in fact you know what but, tell you what but you, but you uh, know here's but you know here's here's the bad part hmm. i i think i think my buddy mike seeklander actually has the record on the drill right now oh really yeah sucker <laughs> <laughs> at, at, at least with iron sights, I don't know. Of course, there's really, there's really not that much difference between iron sights and and dots for that particular drill. Yeah, for us, for us. I mean, because we're, I mean, it's freaking pedal to the metal. It's not, yeah, <laughs> slowing down. So the drill for for those that aren't familiar, you're, it's shot at ten yards, uh, IDPA target. So you got, you know, your, your eight inch circle in the high center chest. You got what a four inch circle. I think it is for the head. Yes. Now there's a four inch circle. When I shot that drill, the head was the head. So, yeah. uh, it was, it was a little bit easier back then. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm going to go ahead and actually share my screen on this and we'll, let's just watch this together. All right. How about that? It'll be fun. Uh, and, and for those of you that are not watching today's episode, if you're just listening to the audio podcast, just listen to the the cadence of these shots, okay? And I'll describe what the different uh, you know parts of the the, the four stages uh, of this uh, classifier. So the first one is uh, you draw and you fire five rounds freestyle. So two hands, you know, I, I, is the way most people are going to do that. Obviously, uh, five rounds, body to the target. And uh, so here's BJ's uh, first five shots. One six six, one point six six. So, uh, five shots from the holster. One point six six. That's five shots, and those I'm pretty sure were all hits. That's crazy, BJ. Well, I try. You know, I don't know if. Uh, if you saw on Shooting USA, I think it was two weeks ago. Um, I actually did an impossible shot with those guys. I did not uh, see that. Yeah, I, I, did, I, did, I did an impossible shot with Shooting USA, and we did uh, – it was an 18 by 24, so the big steel challenge rectangle target. Um, I did 10 shots from the holster at 10 yards in uh, under two seconds. <laughs> so I think it was – I think it was a 197. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna definitely go look that up now. Oh, geez. Uh, 
<laughs> that's mad, man. That's mad. I, I'm I'm impressed with myself when I get build drill, you know, six shots and under two. Okay, I can I can do it in one point eight pretty consistently, but I can't always keep them in the zone, you know, at that speed. So uh, one day, one day. All right. Second uh, uh, part of the five by five skills test is uh, is one handed, right? So you draw. Yes. yes. Be be draw five shots uh, strong hand only. All right, so let's take a look at this one. Stand by. Five, we five. Yeah, it's crazy when you look at old videos of yourself. Uh huh. Man, I need to run more. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but you could shoot lights out, man. Um, that now I can run. <laughs> So, uh, you know, man, that's, that is a fast clip at 10 yards, one hand only like that. And you're just in such control. Now, one thing I wanted to point out about this, uh, you, you know, you, people will note if they pay attention that you change your stance a little bit when you're shooting one handed, right? meaning that, uh, when you were shooting the first couple of shots there, freestyle, uh, you're more square to the target. Maybe your left foot slightly in front of your right foot. But at, when you switch to that uh, one hand only, you, you put your strong side foot uh, forward. Yeah. Um, you know, when, when you're shooting, there's a couple of different ways you can do it. Um, for me, like if, if I'm shooting an easy target, like, like say, you know, it's a little speed shoot where stuff is close and you got to make a load and you just load and then you just go straight to the target. You know, I'll keep my stance the same. But when it comes to, hey, I've got to make, you know, a, a a reasonably precise shot, which, you know, at 10 yards, strong hand only, that's, you know, at a, at a high speed, that's, that's going to be, you know, definitely a challenge. You know, I want to put more of my body behind the gun. I want to put my, and my arm as straight behind the gun as I can, mm. um, which is what bringing that right foot forward actually does for you. And of course, with your left hand, it's, it's going to be the opposite, yeah. you know, but, but I'm, I'm looking to bring, uh, you know, my arm more in line with the gun because I don't have that opposing force from my support hand to, to counteract, you know, the way the gun wants to twist. So I want to get my arm as straight um, and locked in as possible. And I don't mean lock my elbow. What I mean is I'm, I'm trying to make my arm as stiff as possible mm-hmm. through, throughout every joint. So my, my elbow is not locked, but it's stiff. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. That those are excellent tips, by the way. I mean, because by nature of you shooting one-handed only, you, you you don't have near the isometric you know pressure and tension you have when you got two hands, uh, things working together. It, you just it's so much harder. So you gotta you gotta do the work of two hands with one hand. Uh, all right, let's take a look. So the next part of the drill is uh, is, is five shots, reload, five more shots, shot freestyle. And uh, it's still to the body of the target. So let's take a look at this. And I, I get the sense Bill's just standing there just like, holy smokes, who is this kid? <laughs> yeah, he was grinning. He was... Bill, you know, people sometimes think of Bill as a fairly polarizing individual. But he, I mean, if, if you've ever been around him, I mean... He's just an awesome guy. 
yeah. you know, I, I, I tell the story as a way to, to illustrate stuff is I, I met, I knew Joyce from IDPA obviously beforehand. And, uh, I, I happened to run into her and Bill, uh, NASGW show in, in, I forget what year, 14, something like that. Whatever year before I started officially shooting for him, um, it was late in the year. And I think it was somebody's birthday. It was like Labor Day or, or some, some holiday um, thing. And they were having a get together at the ranch. A bunch of people were driving down from Arkansas from the factory. And it was, I mean, it was a big bash. And uh, we, they have a, they have a big guest lodge on site um, <clears throat> for people to come stay when they, when they come hunt. And, the lodge was filled up, and he's like, hey, I want you to come up. He's like, hey, we're having this thing. I want you to come up. Uh, and I'm like, okay, cool. Well, you know, Arkansas is kind of far, but I'll, you know, I'll be there. Because when Bill Wilson invites you to his ranch, you go. Yeah, heck yeah. Uh, and, and he's like, no, 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 no. It's like, you're like two hours away from me. I'm like, okay, cool. And, and I, you know, I just start emailing in casually with him leading up to it. And he's like, hey, I want you to bring your wife with you too. And I'm like, okay, well, just so you know, I have like a three month old daughter too. <laughs> and he's like, I tell you what, the lodge is full. So you guys can sleep in our guest bedroom that's in the house. I mean, without any hesitation or he's like, I want you to bring your whole family. I want to meet everybody. I want to, you know, I want everybody to be here. And, uh, you know, I mean, the, the rest is kind of history. I mean, we sat, from the moment we got there, you know, everybody, everybody there was shooting us like family. And that's, uh, you know, something that I can say for everybody that I encounter that works at Wilson Combat is, like, we're yeah. all super close in it. And that's something that I've experienced on the team. Um, yeah, I've been a part of, of different shooting teams throughout the years, obviously, uh, you know, some for some very major names in the, in the gun industry. The, the Wilson Combat Team is without a doubt the most close-knit group of shooters from a team standpoint that I've ever seen or experienced. Mm. I mean, there is, there is when we're on the range together as a team, there is nothing the other one would not do for another without hesitation. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's, uh, I've, I've seen that for myself firsthand, uh, you know, knowing a few of you, the shooters on the team and, and just seeing how you guys, uh, um, how you handle yourselves on the range, uh, great quality group of uh, folks for sure. Shooting great equipment too. I, I think the Wilson combat guns are, uh, amazing. The EDC X nine. Oh man. Ugh. I'm, I'm still trying to talk him into making some steel frames. Nice. Nice. Let's, let's watch this. Uh, let's watch this final run so we get through this. And uh, let's see here. Five by five. Yeah, I think I'm still at the right spot. Here we go. So here you're getting ready for your final run. And this is four rounds to the body. And then you got to fire one round to the head. And the transition to the head on this is just sick, man. Emma. Jeez. <laughs> I love that. Instantly, somebody's just whistling like, dang. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. 
Well, uh, I've probably taken all your time, uh, so I yeah, apologize. We've, we've gone over time. You got to get on your way to your uh, next uh, training class or whatever it is. Yep. Our, uh, you know, we've we've kind of been in quarantine for uh, the past couple of weeks here, and things officially fire back up tomorrow. And you know, we've been having some, you know, refresher and refreshers and stuff like that. And so I gotta I gotta get on to one. But uh, but yeah, man. It's been yeah. good. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll have to check in with you again after, you, you know, when you get kind of settled into your next phase of life. And uh, it's been a pleasure talking with you on the podcast today and appreciate all of your, your insight and everything about, you know, trying to be the best you can be. All right. Thanks, Riley. Great. Well, folks, uh, that brings us to a conclusion of, uh, and BJ, you're welcome to take off as I wrap this up because I know you got to get going. Uh, that brings us to a conclusion of uh, this week's episode of the Concealed Carry Podcast. Um, you know, follow uh, BJ Norrison. Uh, follow his, uh, he's on Facebook and Instagram and all that. Uh, I think he's got a YouTube channel as well. Um, so go check him out. Wish him the best as he finishes up his training uh, to become a for, uh, fe- federal law enforcement officer. And uh, my final parting words would just be that uh, everything we talked about today, uh, particularly on the mental aspect, dealing with stress, pressure, all of that, um, the, the more we can begin to understand that, the better we'll perform flat out. That's just, that's the truth. I mean, we need to have some base skill set as it relates to the actual running of the pistol. Uh, but uh, there's more to it than just how we grip a gun, how we press the trigger, how we see and focus on sights or whatever our sighting system is. There's more to it than that. The the mental aspect, the stress aspect, and how we, how we manage that part of it is a big part of our performance with a handgun in our hands. Uh, so we thank BJ for his time today uh, out of a busy schedule as he's getting things going again after after quarantine. So again, today's podcast sponsor was uh, Guardian Nation. GuardianNation.com is the place to learn more. If you want to take advantage of that free 14-day trial, sign up at concealedcarry.com forward slash 14DAY. And uh, we'd, we'd love to have you check things out for 14 days, see if you want to stick around and... Uh, yeah, love to have you part of the nation. So I'm going to let you go, and uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, Shop Talk, mm, the plan may be a little bit uh, different, as I am going to be actually on the road traveling, uh, coming back from a trip to Iowa. But uh, stay tuned. We should we, we, we will get Shop Talk done next uh, Monday uh, at some point, and uh, Tuesday, Thursday of the podcast next week. And so until then, a reminder to take care, to be safe out there, And don't forget to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. A reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.